Hi, everybody, and welcome to The Professor is In podcast. I'm Dr. Karen Kelsky of The Professor is In, and as always, I'm delighted that you're here with us today. And I am Kel Weinhold, also of The Professor is In, and once again, delighted that you're here. And as always, as you know, we start out by thanking our sponsors, who are our subscribing members. And you too can subscribe for $3.99 a month and join us over on the Mighty Network's private subscriber page and join in the conversation, get first access to all episodes, get videos of us recording, seeing how the sausage is made before our marvelous editor gets to it, and also getting other perks uh, like a free uh, webinar recording every month. So go to bit.ly slash ourpod, B-I-T dot L-Y slash O-U-R-P-O-D. Thanks a lot. Okay, folks, today we are on the third and final step of the conversation that we have been having about how people get stuck. Three locations that you get stuck, the Isle of Perfection, the Sea of Change, or right before the Sea of Change, and today we're talking about the quagmire of failure. When I wrote the blog posts that are inspiring this conversation, I wrote them about how people get stuck in their work. But I realized in reviewing them just recently, they are really can be applied to how people get stuck in not leaving the academy Mm -hmm. and staying in a hard and difficult place because that's where they are. So go check out the other two if you haven't listened to them. Um, This is all by way of intro of a new service or program, that's the word, that we're going to be offering uh, in this starting in the second week of November called The Art of Leaving. It's a course that I designed a couple of years ago before the pandemic and, and did a bunch of beta tests with with people about leaving and I'm going to have it set up in a way that's super accessible, daily little engagements that you can do. So I've kind of dialed it back from its original uh, grandiosity because the pand- pandemic has made it such that who has room for that kind of big anything. <laughs> so it's very simple. And so keep an eye out for that. So today, quagmire of failure. Mm-hmm. What's quagmire of failure sound like to you, Karen? Well, uh, you know, the place where academics tend to spend most of their time in their thinking, not that they are actually failures or in quagmires, but I think uh, academics tend to feel like they are, mm. especially in the pandemic, not being able to get everything done, feeling like nothing is getting done well or done at all. I think I think you're right. I mean, yes, yes, that is true. And, and that's interesting because in the original article, what I was looking at is how, started off by looking at how rejection is just part of the game when mm. you're in the academy, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to get rejected. Oh, sure. Repeatedly. Mm-hmm. And how rejection can morph so quickly into feeling like failure. Feeling like failure. And that how quickly then feeling like a failure can translate from feeling to being, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like my paper didn't get accepted. I failed. Mm-hmm. I'm a failure. Mm-hmm. Is like a super fast luge run to mm-hmm. get to, I think, um, for a lot of people. And for me, and, I think that's really interesting in, in thinking about that in the PhD. Yeah, and leaving the academy right? Um, in the sense of, um, you know, this could go in a lot of ways, but certainly your first attempts to leave the academy, 
especially if you're actually applying for non-academic jobs, uh, you're going to get rejected from those too, most likely. Probably, I mean, for a couple reasons. One, because it's hard to get a job <clears throat> anywhere. And second, because you may not have the faintest idea how to apply for non-academic jobs. And so you might be making basic mistakes that are correctable, but uh, it's easy to go say, okay, I'm girding my loins. This is it, the momentous occasion. I am courageously applying for a non-academic job. You get rejected and you're like, oh, that's it. See, yes. I can't, I yes. can't leave. I can't stay. I can't do anything. Yes. I can imagine. And I'm going to, I'm going to back us up a little bit before you even go out and getting stuck even deciding to leave before you ever decide to go try something new mm -hmm. that I think that there's a place to explore where people just can't even get themselves there because of that sense of failure. Mm -hmm. So if you went into the PhD planning to be a tenure track professor, so mm -hmm. there are a bunch of people who don't, I get it. Mm -hmm. uh, if you went into the PhD planning to be a tenure track professor and then you get some point in your career and realize that that's not really likely mm -hmm. or you begin to have inklings that it's not likely that that's the place I feel like the first place where people go from didn't happen to I failed to I'm a failure that failing to get that tenure track job is so devastating mm -hmm. that we get stuck right mm. there for sure and that for sure and the stuckness becomes, can well, I mean, you become stuck, immobilized, and also stuck in the sense of the stuckness becoming, becoming your identity and our your narrative, your core narrative right. is, it's all you know. I it, this is impossible. This is all a fraud. It's right. nepotism. I can't, you know, it's it's pyramid scheme, yeah. and all of these things are true, but. Um, it's very easy. I guess this connects to the thing that is so corrosive about the academy in the current day because of the collapse of hiring is bitterness. You get failure. Fa failure. So I, uh, I'm, I'm hesitant to use We don't usually use the word failure, so it's right. tricky here in this podcast. Well, I don't think it's a failure, but, but I think people feel they like feel like it's a the feeling so of failure. speaking more to what, what people are carrying around right, rather right, than right. what That's, I think it is. I right. might call it the feeling of failure. The quagmire of the feeling of failure is... Um, then that you become so embittered because you invest, invested so sincerely and genuinely and authentically your whole self into this, into this idea, and then it doesn't work out and you feel cheated. And it's very, um, it, it can be very hard to move on from there. And I would argue, and, and this is when I'm, when I'm coaching folks on, on when they've gotten article rejections and they've gotten rejected from jobs and they've, you know, that, and we have a podcast on that, right? But by the way, go check it out. It's early on in the podcast. It's how to deal with rejection. But, but I think what happens for people is that it's painful and they want to skip over that. So they move to blame or they move to some status, some place, and you're talking about that, right? I'm going to blame the system. I'm going to blame these things. And, and, and I'm not saying that the system doesn't have a part in it, but, I, but it's a bypass mm -hmm. of, the, of the actual dealing with your grief. Mm -hmm. So it, when, I, when I'm working with folks about productivity and I think really about leaving the academy at whatever level that you're in, you have to take the time to feel how really sad you are, mm -hmm. how much grief you have, how much hurt you have, mm -hmm. and explore for yourself 
And, and and this is a big part of of the art the article. Not sorry, art of leaving. This is a big part of the art of leaving is taking little tiny snippets of writing to kind of explore the stories that you've created mm-hmm. about what it means that you didn't get that job mm-hmm. or you didn't do that. So but get the career, get the career, right? Yeah. So there's the failure narrative. Mm-hmm. Like I I wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. I saw somebody over here. I could never get it published enough. Um, I didn't have the right kind of support. Mm-hmm. I didn't have, you know, these things. And, well, the right kind of support. You could argue that the right kind of support gets in the way of you getting a job until you look out and realize that there are thousands of you in one job. Then mm-hmm. there's just numbers at mm-hmm. play. But where or where have you gotten yourself stuck right there mm-hmm. in that failure, quote-unquote failure, mm-hmm. to move on to the next level and are not grieving that so you can move on. Mm-hmm. You're just staying stuck mm-hmm. in the story that you're telling yourself. So the first the first advice I would want to give people is spend some time with a piece of paper, a journal or whatever and just start writing out what is what does it mean if I say to you you didn't get a tenure track job and you're leaving that path. What is it? What, what resonates for you of what that means? And mm-hmm. people have a lot of different things that they it do. means, but a ton of it is I failed. Mm-hmm. I also want to say that blame is appropriate and that it's, the, I want to be very clear that we're not saying that there wasn't wrongdoing uh, or that you weren't a victim of certain things you were, and it is, and you can acknowledge that. And the, you know, the massive defunding of higher ed over 40 years, the disinvestment, the uh, corporatization of the university, you know, um, departments and advisors who didn't reveal the real state of the field, all of these things are, um, or, you know, and maybe even advisors who really failed, they failed perhaps in their, responsibility to train you both for being competitive for an academic job, but also confronting the reality that most people will not get one. So, I mean, I'm not, I really don't want to bypass the fact that, you know, real wrongs are done at different points in this process, but, but very much don't stay there. Don't make that your identity, like feel the feelings right, and then move forward. It's the yes. And thing. yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Let's yeah. like, let's, and one of the things I think that gets people stuck there, this is going to seem backward, but it's like, you really can't let in that it really is true. And that there's mm-hmm. a, there's a, like, I, you know, you mm-hmm. can lay blame and say, oh, my advisor mm-hmm. sucked, mm-hmm. but that's different than that grief of, I really didn't have a good advisor. Yeah. And this was a, really, I hear that I was, wow, mm-hmm. that, so trying to, Turn it back to you and your yeah. experience instead mm-hmm. of that person and what they did. Absolutely. And which it, is why I don't I, I'm not a big fan of blame because mm-hmm. blame always to my mind, this is my the connotation of the word for me, is that there's no accountability mm-hmm. on the part of the other actor, but there's also no claiming it back for your own processing. It's just like you did that to me instead right. of wow, I was in a system that was that, that was that harmed me that harmed me and to be honest for a lot of you the signs were there the signs have been there and and you and this is not a shame thing i'm trying to say of like you knew better and you should have left that's not what i mean but i do think that one of the reasons we run away from the feeling yeah. of it yeah 
is because we have to go back to that really icky feeling of people told me, man, or I saw the writing on the wall, or I saw the cohort before me that mm -hmm. didn't get, or, you know, those things. And I just ignored it. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's, there's a lot of sitting with icky feelings that people want to jump over by saying it's because nobody cares about my project or. Right. You know. Well, I just think um, that this is very analogous for those of you who have been in therapy um, that you talk about the harms your parents did to you and you can spend years in therapy doing that and that it's absolutely critical work. But to move on and heal yourself, you actually have to go from they did this to me to, wow, I was harmed. Mm -hmm. And because of that, I developed these coping mechanisms that have turned out they, they were valuable at the time. They're not now. I, and suddenly it's an inner project, 100% an inner mm -hmm. project. Right. Wow, how am I going to shift those to have a better life that I want now? It's really analogous to that. It's like, yeah, the, the neoliberal corporatized university did harm you, as a matter of fact. Right. And, you know, call that out and be clear about it. But then turn it later at some point in your grieving process, turn it inward and say, wow, okay, so I have finite, you know, I, I have life. I have resources. I have options. Those are all, you know, this structure versus agency. <laughs> These things are out there. What do, where, where can I, where can I move to make my life better? Mm -hmm. So this reminds me, this is going to, I don't know if for those of you who can follow me on this, great. And the rest of you, sorry, it's one of those rides I go on. I saw a TikTok yesterday that was a woman that was a, one of those stitch things, but basically the person was saying, what do you, what's one thing you know about being raised by an emotionally immature parent? And I was thinking just now, the academy is like an emotionally immature parent. <laughs> it's just like not even caring about you. So huh. the person said, um, work through to forgiving them without ever, ex without ever getting an apology. Yeah. Right. Wow. Right. So, the, your project with if you decide to leave the academy is work through forgiving it and yourself without ever expecting an apology. Mm -hmm. Because if you're waiting around for them to agree mm -hmm. that what they did was wrong or harmful, the academy's not going to do it because it's not a person and it's not a it's not it's a corporation and it doesn't care about your soul. Mm -hmm. But we do. So 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 the two step process here is spend some time with your grief. Like spend some time with it, set a timer, lie on the floor, cry, you know, throw things, not that you break things, but, or plan to break things instead of, you know, inadvertently. Well, breaking things is okay. And uh... it's planning to break things. I was saying, oh yeah. One of the best things I ever did was a setting up a back room. I was remodeling a house and I had a back sunroom that was completely empty of stuff. Mm -hmm. And I hung up, um, tarps, you know, like painters tarps. Mm -hmm. And I went to Goodwill and bought a bunch of plates mm -hmm. and I just threw them and it, you know, at the wall. And the first ones were, I was like, <laughs> and like sort of tossed it, <laughs> like feeling stupid. <laughs> by the end, man, I was in my full pitcher wind up. Right. Like, <laughs> so I, that's what I mean by planned breaking. I think uh, releasing that kind of stuff is really great. So then after that, then it's time to move to the question. So what do you think that leaving the academy says about you? <laughs> That's a deep question. What space in your oh head gosh. are you giving 
of, over to other people's opinions of your choice, mm-hmm. of your decision to leave. Yeah. What is actual fact about what you're saying mm-hmm. and what is opinion that you have either attached from someone else or wrapped around it like, you know, I'm never going to get another job. That's just factually untrue. Mm-hmm. But we're not dealing in facts right now. Right. And I'm just saying that you can, after you move through those emotions, you mm-hmm. can start to move to separating things into fact and fiction mm-hmm. or fact and story. Mm-hmm. And that can be a really helpful, helpful thing. Yeah. Because then you can move to, what did I succeed at here? Mm-hmm. Right? Because So if you say, okay, now I'm going to identify all these things I make up about it. Now I'm going to start moving over to fact of like, what if this is fact or not fact? Then I can move to, wait, 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 let's, let's try to, let's try to complicate this in this four years, six years, eight years, 10 years, whatever years I've been doing this, where are all the ways I succeeded? What Mm -hmm. are all the things I was really good at? Mm -hmm. So you can begin to sort of separate yourself from the sticky icky of Mm -hmm. you're just a failure. Mm -hmm. And it's the whole project was a failure. Yeah. Because if the outcome was the only thing that was going to measure it as a success. Right. That's pretty hard. Yeah. So this is uh, bringing forward the concept, core concept from last week, which was process, not outcome. Right. That you were on the sea of change. You were paddling your little dinghy out into the waves without, with an unclear destination mm-hmm. and being comfortable with that. And this is basically reframing that here as well. That right. You're saying, but, th- but different, <laughs> same but different. Uh, what did I achieve separate from outcome right right and i think that's interesting because in the way last week was about so it's 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 counterintuitive but last week was about future in some ways this is about past right even though this is the third and it's uh, looks like linearly we would be going past present future but actually this week we're talking about how do you interpret your past and how do you define how are you defining things as failure uh both in your own eyes and then in the eyes of you know, so many stakeholders, to use the neoliberal term, like your advisor, who figures looms hugely in most people's stories, and also your parents, who probably wanted to know why you were doing this ridiculous thing in the first place, and then they're gonna, you're gonna have to deal with their judgment, and uh, and then who knows, a bunch of other people. Yes, and I and and I think I guess yes, I would agree with you on it. Looking to the past i i would might edit it a little bit to say where are you stuck in moving forward because you are looking you have attached something you are letting the past or or the your ideas about it like hook on to your belt like a bungee cord right <laughs> yeah so here i am and i'm i'm moving along and this doesn't work. This thing I set out to do didn't work mm-hmm. the first time I tried it or the second time. Mm-hmm. What can I, and, and I start to keep, you know, trying to go forward and falling back on my ass over and over and over mm-hmm. again. That's the quagmire. That's the quagmire. Mm-hmm. You're just stuck there in that really mm-hmm. deep, thick mud mm-hmm. thinking I should be able to get out of this. Mm-hmm. But you've got so much attached to you. And it mm-hmm. is the past, but it's also your story about, how you got there in so the first the bungee place. bungee cords of narrative are holding you <laughs> yeah. into the quagmire of yeah. failure. Yes. Because <laughs> quagmires are filled with bungee cords, as we all know. 
So I, I just, I just want to. Uh, uh, if you were here with us last week, you'll know that we 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 tortured the sea of change metaphor. So I'm trying to I'm trying to repeat that this time. Okay, let's do this. Here you are, folks. You have set off on your little hike in in a natural wetland bog, and you've got on your you've got on your wellies or your hip waders or whatever, and you're marching along and you're saying, yes, I see that this is wetland. Yes, I see that this is this is really hard to get through. Yes, I see that um, only one flower blooms in this thing a year. But gosh darn it, I'm going to be, I'm going to find that flower and I'm going to, it's going to be all mine. And then you go left and there's no flower and then you go right and there's no flower. And then you, you know, you keep going and you cannot for the life of you no matter what you do, find that flower. In the meantime, you've gotten exhausted. Mm-hmm. The mud is thick. Mm-hmm. It's hard to pull your boots up. You ran out of water. You ran out of water. You're standing there starting to replay every single thing that you did to get yourself so exhausted and stuck and sucked into this mud. And you look all around you, and there are other people who seem to be moving through the mud more carefully. And then there's that guy who last year just exited all the way, carrying the With triumphant the flower. flower, right? And you just keep trying and you get more exhausted and you start second guessing everything you did. And there you are stuck. (laughs) I screwed up this. I failed this. I did all these things. Right. Uh So here's where the magic comes in. If you detach yourself from the entire idea that you need to stay in that bog that you need to keep marching around and you just sit your ass down for a minute, even if it gets all muddy and you say, this is hard and I don't like this. And you cry and you, you know, throw rocks and there are no rocks in box, but you, you know, you just thrash around a little bit and get it all out and clear your head a little bit. Like, okay, now I'm going to stop looking for the flower and I'm just going to get out of here. Mm-hmm. and maybe you'll only get out of there three steps at a time and you'll have to rest and cry again. Mm-hmm. Maybe you'll get out of, you'll pull out of your boots altogether and crawl across the top of it and you'll be filthy and muddy and miserable. And that is a point and at which you, you could say. off in some really weird direction right. that was not at all where they told you the flower was going to be, but because that path was, well, I was going to say quicksand, but we're saying that path was quagmire, whereas right. there's firmer ground. Right. In other directions. And there's also that point where you can be rolling around in the mud and you're tired and you're just ki- trying to get out. And that's the part where you can just like lie down like a kid and start saying, you made me do this and I didn't want that. And you, the blame comes in and you just take a few breaths and process how you're feeling and say, what story am I telling here? All of this should be done with a therapist. And then you just crawl a little bit further. Mm. But each of the, each of the, moves out of that stuck place is when you say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get out of here. Mm -hmm. I'm going to stop trying to find the magical flower in this place. (laughs) And I'm just going to leave. And the trees are right over there. And they've been there all along. And I haven't seen them Mm. because I haven't been looking because the trees are not flowers. And you have to process yourself, your your experience all the way through it. Mm But otherwise, you're just going to stay stuck right there in that mud, tired, angry, dirty, with everything. Resentful. Resentful. And there's a way out. Mm -hmm. So, And scared. 
and let's scared be, for let's sure. Be, let's be let's let's talk about that. It's scary, and it feels hopeless, and it, and the hopelessness is scary. I mean, hopelessness and fear are are really two sides of the same coin because you don't see a way out, and there is a way out. There is. It will not be what you expected. It will not be what you anticipated. It will not follow the contours of what you thought was the best thing. It'll be some other thing. But yeah. there is a way out. And and I and when I talk about like step back and look at your successes or step back for a minute and get some perspective, when you stop marching around trying to find that one thing and you start reframing everything you've done. It's really easy to start saying, oh my God, I wasted all this time and I did all this stuff and why did I go there and why did I go there and why did I go there? When you can start to grieve it and then you can start to say, wow, that that part right there was really beautiful and I enjoyed it. That part right there, mm-hmm. I learned a lot about, mm-hmm. for sure, you know, navigating box, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that letting in the grief also allows you to let in mm-hmm. what was really good about That's it too. That's so true. So true. Because I don't, I don't want anybody to ever, in a perfect world, I'd hate to see anybody leave the academy thinking that entire thing was fucked. And a lot of people are doing that right now. Yeah. That's a narrative that I don't feel like I used to see on social media, and I see it more, which was that was a mistake. I regret it completely. Right. And there's just too many people, too many moments, too many delights, and we lose the delights. And be mm. careful not to have... The something attached to it ruined the experience. Mm-hmm. You got yourself there. You were excited. You, um, that day in the archive, that day in the field, that, that time late at night in your office when you had that brainstorm, finishing that chapter, getting that article out, those were all really priceless accomplishments. Very rare and very cool. You know, to tell you a personal story that is what I'm trying to get at or what, and what you're trying to get at, Karen. Um, when I was a kid, I went on a camping trip with my family and we, we decided that we were going to, um, dam a Creek that we were next to the kids and all the kids had decided that and the adults helped too, but we, we spent days trying to get this water to dam up and yeah, don't at me about the environmentalist stuff. I know I don't do it anymore, but it was, when I was a kid, it was really fun. And so we got this thing to finally, we got this big log pulled across and it was so awesome. And there's a picture of me from that moment of sitting on the log with my hand raised in triumph, right? It's one of my favorite photographs of, of that time in my life. And later on, same, I mean, I don't even know when I was, I overheard someone say something incredibly negative about that photograph, just really, and about me in that photograph. And I've reflected recently and over the years how easily you can attach that icky thing to that marvelous thing, right? So then suddenly the whole experience becomes that thing instead of the whole separating it going, yeah, that really sucked. That advisor's comment about that, that sucked. My project didn't. This this student's comment really was painful. My class didn't suck. So that's kind of what I'm asking you to do is after you've done the grieving, begin to start saying what's true and what's not true, what's opinion and what's fact. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing when you get an article rejected too, by the way. Mm -hmm. 
What do you? It, what, well, yeah, what's opinion? It's, I what's mean, fact? shame. It's terrible shame uh, because you were in your in your joy, right? And then someone, some voice from outside, like mocks you or whatever, right. and you were unconscious. You so you were caught off guard, right? And then that makes you have to be hyper vigilant at right. that point to prevent that from ever happening again, which then prevents you from experiencing joy. Right. So, so you yeah. can see how that would happen with the with the way the the academy works. The mm-hmm. and it and it's and it's massive dependence on other people's assessment and opinion of you. So your experience can get completely muddied and warped by what you hear people saying about it. So, so if you're stuck, if you're thinking about leaving, if you're miserable, if you hate the academy, look and see if you're stuck because. You've attached a whole bunch of stories around it. You've forgotten all the things you liked. And so you can't, so it just feels like you failed miserably and wasted your time. And, oh my God, I've just ruined my life instead of, well, that was good and that was bad and that didn't work. What am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. That's, you know, those are the sentences I'm, I'm encouraging you to pursue. This was great. This sucked. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out. What am I going to do next? That's all I got. Yeah, I'd say that's good advice. All right. So check back middle of November for the beginning of the um, Art of Leaving. And we will talk to you next time.